to say, even before I say it, Lord. You both receive and follow me. Place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Too great for me to know. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the place of the dead, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the waters of ocean, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become light. But even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are both alike to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. They are innumerable. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up in the morning, you are still with me. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. Psalm 1, 39. Psalm 139. So we'll what's, what we're looking at together. But first, I just thank you, Emma, for hosting so nicely. Thanks to Sarah for an uh, incredible presentation with your Sunday School helpers, uh, Bron and others, somewhere away today. That was great, wasn't it? And really amazing. And to see what they're learning and to hear you speak, we should give you a job, Sarah. That, that was amazing. Thank you. Uh, and the Lord bless you. And I know our kids are just loving Junior Church and looking forward to the new term. Um, the video of the Junior Church activity just will be available on the church uh, private Facebook page. So you can watch that there. Okay. So hey, we're doing something completely different today just before we resume our series. We were meant to resume our series in Philippines. But, but I thought, hey, you know what I felt? Hey, the Lord just put this on, on my heart. And I thought it'd be a great opportunity for us to explore together Psalm 139. Not all of it. I want to just look at some excerpts from it. And we're going to do what we don't always do. We're going to do some bit of springboarding, theological springboarding. That is, we're going to start at Psalm 139, but then we're going to be projecting ourselves across the Bible, particularly at the Gospels and Jesus' ministry. And we're looking at it thematically, uh, and we just one particular theme, and it's this. The God who knows everything. The God who knows everything. That's what we're doing together this morning. Let me tell you what knowledge is. Knowledge is, this is an online dictionary. It's facts, information, and skills acquired through experience or education. The theoretical or practical understanding of a subject. That's knowledge. What's the definition of it? Look, in real life, what is knowledge? I was after the computer a bit earlier this week, or it was last week, 
went up to a computer supplier and, and was asking him some information, assuming that he would know. You know, this, this wasn't your, you know, chain shop. This was a, you know, a, a rec well-recommended computer specialist. And every time I asked him a question, guess what he would do? Seriously, he'd get out of his phone and he'll Google the answer. He goes, yes, yes, yes. I'm thinking, well, I could have done that myself. In fact, I had, I had done that myself before I went there. I, had, I was looking for some expert information. Uh, watch you, one of these days, you'll turn up to the GP and ask you, you know, you'll ask him what's wrong with you. And he'll get out his uh, mobile phone and tell you what's wrong. Look, we go from that uh, absurdity almost to one of our friends, a fellow from the UK. If you ever are on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, you want him as your phone a friend. I'm not kidding you. He's like a walking encyclopedia. Seriously, you could ask him any question about any subject and he could tell you. In fact, whenever we go out with him, it's, uh, he may listen to this, so uh, forgive me, buddy. Uh, look, but uh, whenever we'd meet somebody, <laughs> it'd be hilarious because he'd be like, they'd introduce themselves and they'd say, I'm from Taiwan, for example. And then he would take over. Oh, yes, Taiwan. This is your population. This is your national gross debt. And this is your stable diet. And it was, it was incredible. He literally knew everything about everything. He knows he's still alive. I want to ask, what does God know? What does God know? How much does he know? In the, on the theology course, we, we probably dealt with one of the most complex issues in all of theology. What is the most complex doctrine in all of theology? The Trinity. Okay, so theologians come up with these terms. One of the things we concluded was that that's not a biblical word because theologians come up with these terms to explain complex theology. What's the term to explain the theology of the knowledge of God? Who knows that? It's a Latin word, okay? It's a compound Latin word. Did you do any Latin, Matt? No, he's an expert at every language but Latin. Okay, so someone tell us, oh, what is a theological term that theologians have come up with that talks about the knowledge of God? It's, yes, it's omniscience. Made up of two words, two parts, all and knowing. Theologians have summed up. How much does God know? Well, what theologians tell us, or the way they categorize it, okay, or give them a label, God is all-knowing. Or if you want one Latin word, omniscient. Okay, God is all-knowing. But hey, that's a big word before, just after breakfast, okay? What does it mean? I know we know, I know we know the definition what does it mean that God knows all things? God knows everything. What does it actually look like? How does that look for me? How does that look for you? Thank you, Bron. Yeah, and we're going to come to that, but she just stole my sermon. <laughs> Thank you. But we're going to get there, Bron. You're right, absolutely. And I want to demonstrate that with you. And I want us to look together. What does, it, what does this jargon word mean? And as we look at it, I want us to, us to start with David in Psalm 139. And from there, as I said, springboard 
to the New Testament, particularly to the ministry of Jesus. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. O Lord, O Lord, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. And when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. That's an incredible truth, isn't it? But here's the crunch one. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. There's some mind-blowing truths there. Hey, if you don't engage with this psalm, before you sleep, here's a pill from you, from, from the pastor, doctor, spiritually speaking. Take that one night, every night before you sleep. The pill of Psalm 139. It's just brilliant. It's brilliant. I want to look at it to, with you now. Look, here's what we gather. The first thing about the knowledge of God is omniscience. Okay. God does exploratory, investigative. I saw the dictionary this week. Okay. God does exploratory, investigative research on us. Okay. God does exploratory, investigative research on us. Let me tell you what I mean. Look, you know, if, you, if a new iPhone comes out, and if you're really interested, I am, not that I necessarily have one, but I'm just interested, uh, and you watch the videos, I'm always amazed, you know, when you're trying to compare the quality of it compared to something else, I'm always amazed at what some of these people do to try and tell you how good or how bad the new phone is. You know, they'll tell the phone, you may have seen them, and they'll literally dismantle the thing. Seriously, down to each component. I've even watched them strip away the little waterproof film that goes over the, uh, the, the little uh, holes in your phone so no water gets in. And they're, they're deliberately taking them off. Then they do the stress test, the, the phone gate test, you know, the, the bend gate. Is it called bend gate or something like that? You know, when the iPhone used to bend? And that even do the bend gate test and bend and snap these phones to see what stress levels you have to take before you can snap a brand new, latest released iPhone. But at the end of it, you knew, well, this guy who dismantled knew everything there was to know about the new iPhone. Listen to what David says about God. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. Can you see what he's telling us here? God does exploratory, investigative research. Okay? And here's, here's the wonder of it. Look, I don't, I don't think we can push that too far. Let me, I, don't, I don't think David is suggesting God has gone through the process of accumulating this knowledge. Rather, it's... A, it's, it's, it's I can't get out. Okay, so I won't bother with that word. Okay, it's language that is suggesting 
This is how it appears, phenomenological. That didn't quite come out, did it? I'll spell it for you later. Okay? Okay. See, the thing here is that God is not using chronology to do this research. In other words, he's not stepping through time. Neither is he using energy to do this research. He's putting no effort into it. From God's perspective, it's information that he has instantaneously. From our perspective, in order for us to understand something of what's going on, David is trying to tell us it's a bit like God has taken a hold of you and he has dissected you, dismembered you, moved your organs apart and investigated you at the SOP, at the atomic level. It's that type of investigation. God has taken you apart and reassembled you and knows every single thing that is to know about you. You have searched me and you know me. Let me give you some examples. Examples from Jesus' ministry. Remember the woman at the well? This is what he said to her. Go and call your husband, he says to her in this midway conversation. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. How much does Jesus know about us? He knows your entire history. He knows it all. When Jesus stood before this woman, she was completely transparent to him. He knows what we think. Hey, we're sitting here, and here probably thinking, goodness sake, does he have to put that jumper on? It looks awful. Were you thinking that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Look, Jesus, Jesus knows that. Right? Okay. Jesus knows what we think. Listen to this. Luke 5. When he saw the man, the paralytic, he heals him, says, Son, your sins are forgiven. And then the Pharisees are muttering because they're thinking, they're thinking to themselves, Who is this man? How dare he? Who can forgive sins but God? It's what they're thinking, okay? But listen to Jesus. Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Jesus knows what you are thinking right this very moment. He sees how we feel about him. Do you know Jesus knows how we feel about him. Yvonne, we're hoping to baptise Yvonne. We was meant to be pretty soon. She had in, insisted on putting me through the sea of Australia in the winter to baptise her, seriously. Okay? And here's me thinking, what level, depth, insulation of wetsuit have I got to buy from the Antarctic to survive this experience? Well, thankfully, she's, a, she's changed her mind. And we're hoping, Ivan hasn't quite finished the process yet, but we're hoping that when it, when it comes to baptism, that we may be doing it in the summer, and we may be doing it 
at our camp. So you got that to come. You got that to come. But hey, one of the things I was saying to Yvonne is one of the difficulties I have as a pastor is when I'm putting someone through a baptismal course is trying to discern genuine faith. Because I'm sure Yvonne's not doing this, but she could just be telling me what I want to hear. And people do do that. Seriously. They do do that. Let me tell you about Jesus. He knows exactly how you feel about him. You remember this episode in John, uh, Peter's life is the end. Jesus has uh, died, resurrected. Thank you, Sarah. That was a beautiful point you brought over with the kids. And he's got Peter who let him down. And he questions Peter three times, doesn't he? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Okay. And Peter's getting really perturbed, isn't he? And, but listen to what Peter says. And Jesus acknowledges that fact. He says, do you love me, Peter? And he says, Lord, Lord, what do you keep asking me this for? You know all things. You know I love you. You know it. What are you asking me for? You know it better than I know it myself. You know how I feel about you, Jesus. Jesus knows. If we try and pull the wool over his eyes, he knows how we feel about him. He knows how you're doing. You know, we come to church, we ask, how you doing? Well, I ask it pastorally. I was out with someone yesterday, out in, out just in, in, in the world, and we were talking, and, uh, you know, just a bit, a bit of leisure, leisure. But I was working. And so I slip in my questions. And now I'm giving my, my tactics, aren't I? You know, and, and how do you find having quiet times at work? You know, and... and and, you know, they're telling me about how they manage quite well, actually, to have some time alone with God. Time in his word. Or so they said. Or so they said. I mean, who knows if it's real information? Who knows if what they mean is, oh, yeah, I had a quiet time three months ago in my lunch break. That's what I'm referring to. I haven't had one since. Who knows? You can tell me whatever you want, and I may or may not believe you, okay? Jesus knows how we're doing on the journey. Listen to this. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, this man comes up to Jesus and he questions him and he answers really well. Here's what Jesus says to him. You are not far from the kingdom of God. Jesus knew precisely how he was doing on his journey to God. Jesus knows, friends. Hey. Look, let me tell you, as a pastor, I have to come up here, I have to preach sermons, I have to visit you. It's a real chore. Okay, okay, I have to phone you up, I have to send you text messages, I have to manage meetings, I have to organize meetings, I have to do theology courses, okay? What's this about? I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. Yes, I remember now, okay. But that doesn't mean I'm spiritual. Seriously. It doesn't mean I'm spiritual. It doesn't mean I have a quiet time. It doesn't mean I open the Bible and read it for myself. It doesn't mean I talk to God and try and cultivate my relationship. I can do all those things by route 
Seriously. And I could trick you into thinking I'm this real spiritual guy, but the only time I open the Bible is when I want to preach from it or write a sermon. And the only time I pray is when the prayer meeting, when people can hear me. Are we doing real Christianity? You can pull the wool over my eyes. Hey, but Jesus knows how we're doing. He sees how we will fail him tomorrow. Jesus already knows the exact circumstance and the exact moment and the exact sin with which you will fail him tomorrow. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to swift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. He knew precisely the failure, the circumstance, the outcome. And here's the wonder of it. What has Jesus also done? And I want to encourage you with that. This isn't, he knows what you're doing, Bron. This is, a better, this is, he knows. He knows you're going to fail him tomorrow. And what does he do for Peter, apprehending this? Already knowing the precise detail of Peter's failure. What does Jesus do? He pastors him. Thank you, Pat. He pastors him, he prays for him, he prepares for him. And let me tell you this, yes, Jesus knows exactly how you're going to sin against him the next moment, let alone tomorrow. But he prays for you. He'll be there. Here's a frightening thought. He'll watch you commit that sin. But then because you're his son... Put your arm, put his arm around you. Bring you to repentance, and walk with you beyond that. Because he paid the price for that sin back at Calvary. He sees what we're doing with our lives. Hey, does your life make sense? What are you doing with your life? God knows what we're doing with our lives. He knows how every situation in your life has panned out. Remember Nathaniel? How do you know me, Nathaniel? asked Jesus. Remember what Jesus said to him? Nathaniel, I've been watching you your whole life. I know exactly what you do, where you live, what you read, what you say, what you eat where you go. I saw you, Nathaniel. Whilst you're still under the fig tree, uh, Philip, uh, uh, I saw you, Nathaniel, before Philip called you. What does God know? What does God know? What does omniscient mean? He knows in an exploratory way, in an investigative way, in a researched way, everything. What do we do with that? What should our response be to that? And Bron already stole my sermon. What did you say, Bron? Can you remember? Very 
It, it is. It, it, this this doesn't be daunting us. And even if you're sitting there thinking, yeah, but if you knew all the sins I've done, Montez, okay, all the sins I've done to you, Montez, <laughs> kiddingly, okay, no, no, no. This isn't meant to make us hide. Look, listen to David. Such knowledge, and he knew he was a sinner. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's like, it's, wow. Hey, it's comforting. Was that the word you used? What was the word you used, Bron? It's assuring. Reassuring. Hey, take solace. This isn't to scare you off. I know all about you. Okay? I do. Okay? It's not to scare you off. Even your real name. Okay? It's not to scare you off. It's to reassure you. He knows you. He knows you. And he loves you. God does exploratory investigative research on us. Number two, God knows our future with, here's my background, engineering precision. God knows our future with engineering precision. Listen to verse three. You deserve my going out and my lying down. That is, the events of my life that have yet to unfold, God knows them. And not merely by probability. Look, I can tell by probability that, that, that he will go fishing sometime. I can put a bet. Who's a $100 wager? That he will go fishing sometime in the next four weeks. Okay. Uh, uh, who wants to put a wager on that? You'd lose. Okay, because I've done the mathematics. And I know that probably that the likelihood is Yay, rather than nay. Let me tell you about John Law. John Law was one of the richest men ever to have lived. Bar monarch. He made a lot of his wealth. He made his wealth um, numerous ways. But he made a lot of his wealth, early on at least, through gambling. Because he had understood that if you knew a bit of maths and you wanted to gamble you could work out mathematically the probability of certain outcomes. For example, you know the best of three? We do the best of three? He did the maths to work at the probability that if you do the best of three and you've already won one out of the three, what is the probability that you would win overall? And there's all these probabilities attached to gambling. I'm giving you some inside information, Pam. Okay? It's all based on probability, right? That's what Sid told me. Ricky. Okay, right. So that's not how Jesus knows your future. He isn't just guessing. He's not done the mathematics that this is probably where we will end up on this trajectory if we keep going at this velocity for this amount of time. It's not how he's done it. No, no. For Jesus, for Jesus, he knows the future as though it's the present. As though he's looking at it face on, head on. Listen to this one example, just one. Mark 10, probably one of the most well-known ones. We're going to Jerusalem, Jesus said to his disciples. And listen to the precision here. And the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And they will condemn him to death. And they will hand him over to the Gentiles. And, and they will mock him and spit on him, and flog him, and kill him, and three days later, he will rise. 
How much precision is involved in, in, in that statement? How much precision? This isn't about probability, is it? Listen to the engineering precision. Jesus knows the future with engineering precision. Remember when he told them to go and get the room ready? He told them exactly the certain circumstances that will unfold as they were getting the Passover room ready. Well, we have to think of God and time. For us, look, the only way that we know about another event in the future, the only way we know about it precisely is that we have to travel to that point in time. It's the only way we can know it precisely. And then we have something called hindsight, don't we? It's once we've gone beyond it, then we can look back and we know everything, don't we? But it's back in the past. For God, it seems that he stands over time in such a way that he bends time, if you like, if you want to use uh, scientific language. He exists in time warps where he can witness first perspective, first person perspective, future events as though they are unfolding right before him at this moment in time. Jesus knows the future, friends, not just of tomorrow, next week, next year, next decade, next century, next millennia. You deserve my going out and my lying down. Listen to verse 16 of the same psalm. All your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Did you, did you miss that? It's probably one of the most powerful verses in all of the Bible. Listen again. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. What's that saying? What's that saying? What's that saying about your life? About the whole array of your life from beginning to end. Jesus knows about every nanosecond of your existence from beginning to the end. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Do you know God never ever has been surprised? He has never had a moment when he's had to say, whoops, I didn't see that one coming. If only I'd known. God has never, in astonishing surprise, says, wow, would you look at that? Because he knows it. He knows every single detail. Look, about your life, it's already to God. I don't think this is suggesting, you know, that, you know therefore your life's, you know, nothing you do is making a difference in your life. It's not suggesting that. It's rather suggesting to, to, to God, he reads your life like an open book as though every detail has been recorded. He knows it with that much precision. Remember Peter? 
I think this is incredible. I love this story. He knew about this about Peter. He knew that if Peter went fishing, when this conversation he was having with him finished, okay, that he would arrive at the water's edge, okay, and cast his line in the water at the precise moment when this fish, this one fish in that lake, happened the day before to swallow a four drachma coin and had it sitting in his belly, he knew that that fish would swim past Peter's line at that precise nanosecond, spot the worm and go for it, get hooked, get caught, and if Peter were to take the, take the, 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 the time to, to open up his guts, he would find within his belly that coin. Jesus knew that. Now you tell me that it's not brilliant. He knew that. God knows our future with engineering precision. Hey, let the wonder of that settle your hearts and mind. Hey, he knows. He knows. He knows every detail. Every, and here's the thing. We may think, mightily, oh, if only I knew my future. Do you know if I knew my future, I'd make a much better job of it. You know, does anybody here, anybody here watch Back to the Future? No? Hey, it's a classic. One of the greatest trilogies ever made. Yeah, our kids watched it recently. We love it. What happens every time Marty or Doc tries, learns about a future event and tries to make it better? What happens every time? They make it worse. They make it incredibly, incomprehensibly worse. Hey. Well, I think one of the reasons God keeps the future from us. And let me tell you, stop trying to pry too much into your future. Okay? And don't treat people with prophetic gifts as tarot card readers. They're not there to tell you your future with precision. That is not their job. If Jesus wants you to know your future, he'll tell you. Okay? Stop trying to pry into your future. Because if you knew it, you'd make an even worse job of it than you will do if you by not knowing it. Seriously. We're not meant to know these things. And I sometimes think Christians who discern these things aren't meant to tell you. We're not meant to know half of this stuff, Christian. Okay? Jesus has designed us to walk in a linear fashion through life. We will encounter what we'll encounter when Jesus gets us there. And until we get, to the, well, until we get there, mind your own business. Seriously. Because even if we knew it, even if we knew it, we'd make a worse hash of it. What do you think? Why, why was Joseph sold into slavery by his brothers? Yes, Satan, jealousy, jealousy. That's getting close to the point, Pam. Because he knew too much about his future. Because he knew too much about his future. 
It's why he was sold into slavery. I'm going to be some big, hot-shot guy. What did that do to his brothers? He wound them up silly. It's dangerous to know too much about your future, Christian. Let's let God do the future stuff because he knows it. And let's do the our stuff now. Last one, very quickly. God knows the outcome of every choice that we will ever make. There were a lot of these. I had about seven or eight, and I ended up with three. Otherwise, it would have been two-hour sermon instead of a one-hour sermon. Kidding. Okay. God knows the outcome of every choice that we will ever make. Hey, do you ever wonder? Do you ever wonder, Ricky, if you went for the younger model instead of that one? What your life would have been like? Every day, Montez. <laughs> Do you ever wonder what your life would have been like if you took that job? If you went down that career path instead of this one? Do you ever wonder what your life would have been like if you took the dog for a walk before breakfast instead of after breakfast? you wonder what your life may have been like if the choices you made were the alternatives? How might our lives have looked if we could change all our choices? Better? Worse? We have no idea, do we? We have no idea. But let me tell you this. God knows the outcome of every choice that we will ever make. You know this verse is a famous passage. I mentioned it before. I think it came up in theology recently. Matthew 11. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago. And woe to you, Capernaum, you who are lifted up to the skies. No, you will go down to the depths. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you, it would be more tolerable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. First of all, the main point in the passage, the main point is this, and let this scare you to death, because it should do. If we're outside of Jesus, we are going to get due recompense for our sins. Jesus will weigh up our lives if we die in our sins. And to the measure that we've rebelled against him, he will measure out eternal punishment as a recompense. It's a scary, scary passage that the world is going to be called to an account before God. And God will weigh up their shortfallings and mete out eternal condemnation appropriately. Hey, do you really think that God would judge a Hitler in exactly the same measure that he will judge your lovely neighbour has been nothing but nice to you, but is outside of faith. Oh, both will fall short of his standard and fall short of heaven. That is true. 
says Jesus. But Jesus will judge sin appropriately and with the depth and gravity of our sin outside of Christ, so Christ will mete out judgment appropriate to that. It's what Jesus could say to the Pharisees, it'd be worse for you, you Pharisees, than for the people you've led astray. That's the main point. Main point aside, here's a sub-point in the passage. Can you see what the passage is telling us about the knowledge that Jesus has? What kind of knowledge does Jesus have? A heart knowledge and a bit more heart knowledge? Something to do with choices. I'm thinking something in choices. What kind of knowledge does Jesus have about choices? Yes, life-changing? Yes, Jesus can foresee not just how your life will work out if you go on that trajectory with that set of choices. Jesus can foresee how your life would have turned out if you took that job, if you studied that degree, if you took the dog for a walk before breakfast as opposed to after breakfast. Jesus can see every possible outcome of every possible choice and every possible decision that we make. He knows the outcome of every decision we will make. And it tells you this, friends. It tells you this. It tells me this. That though I may wish or expect or believe that given a second chance or a third chance or a fourth chance or a fifth chance or a hundred charges and doing it a certain way, that could have been better, that could have been better, this could have been better. I could have been driving a Ferrari Tetsarosta. Really? Doing 180 down to semaphore instead of standing up here talking for a living. No matter, no matter how much I might believe that, Jesus knows. And here's the thing. When he assembled your life, when he says all the days of your life, well, my life were written, written in your book before one of them came to be, when Jesus assembled your life, when he put it together, when he drew a pattern, do you know, do you know what mathematics he did when he was doing that? The mathematics of every choice you'd be given and of every response you would make in every one of those circumstances. And he, and he did the maths. He crunched the numbers. He weighed up every possible scenario and outcome. And he chose this one for you. With all those mistakes, with all those poor decisions, because on this day, you'd be exactly where he wanted you to be. Your maturity would be exactly what was he's working on. Your life may look a complete pig's ear. Do we say that in Australia? I have to say we know, you see. I've got to say we know. Do we say that in Australia? You made a pig's ear of that? Yeah? Yeah. Even though you may feel you made a pig's ear of your life, even though you may have made a pig's ear of your life. I mean, look. Okay? It's gone just the way Jesus saw it. Mapped it out. 
He knows. He knew how different it could have been had you made that decision then. And still, knowing that, having the power to change that. Do you really think God stopped by and just went, I wish I could help Daniel. I really wish I could. But my hands are tied because I don't want to interfere. No! It's not how it works. He stood by because you are today exactly where he wants you to be. And God is doing exactly fulfilling his purpose in your life. Look, I need to finish. I think, I'm sure my time's ended. Let me give you this one last illustration just to finish on a lighter note. Last week when we were at Point Turton, uh, we were visiting a local church on a Sunday, Life Church, uh, Edinburgh. Uh, lovely church, second time we've been there. We were there three years ago too. Uh, so some familiar faces, had a lovely service, really hospitable, got free hot chocolate. We always claim, <laughs> we always claim our visitor free hot chocolate, even if we went there three years ago. <laughs> Seriously. And then our kids are great. They always drop one on the floor. And just making you know, a make bit of mopping, mopping up for somebody. Anyhow, Naomi got talking to somebody, and she happened to because they had a pilot. She happened to tell them that I've always had a passion for flying, and he just happened to have a runway on his own farm and an airplane of his own. And here's me thinking, oh, it'd be nice if he asked me if I wanted to go up in that, wouldn't it? But I wasn't going to say that. Anyway, Naomi had to give him a number for some reason. There was something happening later in the week. I get a call the next morning. Okay. This is Randy. I'm taking my plane up in an hour. Do you want to come? Do I want to come? <laughs> is the Pope a, a Catholic? Uh, and so here we are flying around. Uh, yeah, did you know that the peninsula is full of potholes? Did you know that? And half of them are pink. Seriously. Can you believe that? Anyway, we're flying around. Okay, and then he, he, we're having a conversation. And before we went up, he goes, we should have a quiet time. So I played in one of my daily five-minute devotions. <laughs> it was easier than me doing it, wasn't it? Okay, anyway, we're up now up there. Now we're talking about God again, religious people, you see. And he goes, you know, Montez, when I, when I sit here sometimes, I just turn the engine off. It's a, it's a semi-glider. You can do that. I just turn the engine off, and I just glide around, and I watch cars. And I think to myself, He's driving along that road. He has no idea what's around the next bend over the next crest of the hill. But I can see it all. I know exactly what he's going to encounter there because I can see it. He says, God is like that. God knows every car that's ahead, every turn. Every decision you will ever make, every alternative decision you would have made had the circumstance been different and he chose this life for you. All, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God knows, okay, God knows, God does rather exploratory investigative work, research on us. God knows our future with engineering precision. God knows the outcome of every choice that we will ever make. God knows 
How much? Everything. He is omniscient. God. Comforted and reassured and encouraged and challenged because he knows by that. God bless you.